How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Nerds! Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to level up your financial game? Let NerdWallet guide you with smart strategies for lasting success. Get savvy tax planning pointers to maximize your savings, money-saving travel tips for your next family getaway, and investing insights like how a 529 plan can help you send your kids to college. Unlock the key to saving to help you earn more money. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you in 2024. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03, Friday afternoon, September 15th. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us on the Noon Business Hour. I'm Rob Hart. There are reports that Disney is working to sell off ABC, the television network, and its owned and operated local TV stations. And there are also some changes coming to a respected Chicago TV news show. We'll cover that in our next segment. But right now, the United Auto Workers Union has launched an historic strike targeting all three Detroit automakers at once. Joining us now on the Village of Bedford Park business line, reminding you to bring your business home, is Jeff Gilbert, CBS News automotive correspondent based in Detroit. Jeff, thank you for joining us today. We have one new development since we spoke at 1020 this morning, and that is President Biden spoke from the White House today, and he's clearly taking the side of the striking auto workers. Yeah, that was pretty obvious from uh, his address. He did say he wanted a win-win. But a number of times he said that he wants the car makers to share their profits with the auto workers. So it tends to, uh, you know, the president has talked about being a labor president. So I don't think anybody is surprised. He's sending two of his staffers here, including the acting labor secretary, to to monitor the talks. And, you know, at this particular point, it'll be interesting to see what, what they can provide. The rhetoric coming out of the UAW points to the record profits or just very large profits that the Detroit three automakers have been uh, making in, in in recent years. But does that kind of it, well, it ironically remove a point of leverage from the union that because the automakers are making so are generating so much profit, they do have some time to wait the union out? Well, well they certainly all have large cash cushions, so they can do that. But they don't want to see those profits drained by a strike either because they need to spend that money on future product development. There are a lot of electric vehicles in the pipeline. The president uh, has has actually received a a little bit of criticism from the UAW president, Sean Fain, because of his support for electric vehicles. So you've got that specter over everything, and that's going to cost a lot of money. Right. There, there, there are a lot of uh, things hanging over these negotiations, uh, beginning with the electric vehicle conversion, which is costing the automakers a lot of money to get that infrastructure up and running. And you have investors looking at their watches saying, uh, clock's ticking, boys. When, when are we going to see some return on these investments? And then for the, uh, for the UAW, they want to make sure these green jobs are also union jobs. Exactly. And that is a whole other issue that we haven't really talked about a lot because there are all these battery plants being built and the union is trying to organize them one after another. And they're saying, 
look, GM, you're building all these battery plants, hire our workers at the same rate of assembly plants. And GM, for example, the others do the same, say, hey, these aren't technically our plants, they're joint ventures, so you've got to negotiate with this joint venture. So that's a point of contention. And then, Jeff, let's talk about the strike strategy. This is called a stand-up strike, which means that certain plants and certain suppliers are going to be struck at certain times. And it seems the first ones to get the stand-up strike treatment are the plants that build or make parts for the, the best-selling models. Well, not you know, they probably went to the second tier. Best-selling models would be the full-size pickup trucks. So they didn't hit those plants. Right under them are mid-sized pickup trucks, SUVs, and off-road vehicles like the Bronco and Wrangler. So it was strategic that, that they hit that level. So that means they still have space to ratchet up and hit a big pickup plant, and they also have space to turn up the notch a bit by hitting a components plant. So the union is showing that it's you know it wants to keep its options open and keep flexible here. Jeff Gilbert, CBS News Automotive Correspondent based in Detroit. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up, changes coming to the television landscape, including on the local scene. We'll talk about that next. Cashing in with conversation. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Changes are coming to Channel 11 Chicago tonight, while Disney reportedly looking to sell the ABC television network and the local TV stations. We're joined by Tim Hanlon, founder and CEO of the Viterre Group based in Chicago. Tim, thank you for joining us today. Disney having taken so have they've lost hundreds of millions of dollars trying to get Disney Plus off the ground. Uh, they have decided now in this in this financial environment to sell off anything inside its state inside its stable of properties that does not appear to be a growth business. And for a guy who works in broadcasting, it hurts to hear that broadcasting is not a growth business. And it sounds like uh, not only are talks underway to sell the ABC television network and its owned and operated stations, but it's also found a, a, at least one entity that's willing to listen. Yeah, look, I don't think. Rob, that uh, linear television is a goner by any means. I mean, it still has very powerful effect as, as the NFL continues to show. And it's a very scaled environment for people to access programming. And um, I just think the linear uh, proposition, right, has gotten a little bit more uh, challenged uh, financially as streaming has become uh, the better or bigger reality for consumers. And you know, is trying to struggle to recreate the economics of the linear television model in streaming, which is, as we've talked about, proven very, very difficult. Um, look, linear television is still very, very powerful. The ABC network and its uh, owned and operated stations, of which WLS here in Chicago is one, um, has definitely been uh, discussed within Disney's corporate circles about being maybe not as core to their business going forward because streaming is really where the future is. And um, the good news is that there are other entities out there that uh, are expert in broadcast television, especially local broadcast television. Nexstar, which owns WGN here in Chicago, an independent station, uh, absolutely uh, is an example of that. Uh, Byron Allen, uh, also rumored to be interested in the network and the stations. Uh, is uh, owns a bunch of stations in various smaller markets in the country. So there are people who are very much believe in broadcast television. It's going to change. 
Uh, but it's not dead by any means. And this still has value for sure. We're talking to Tim Hanlon, founder and CEO of the Viterra Group based in Chicago. Before we talk about the changes coming to Chicago tonight, that does lead to a very interesting regulatory uh, situation if Nexstar, which owns Channel 9 in Chicago and the former Tribune stations in major markets, uh, does find itself in a situation where it also owns the ABC O&O station in town. Uh, if, if Nexstar owns Channel 7 and Channel 9, I don't think the FCC is going to look on that with uh, with a great deal of uh, kindness. Now, that's a very good question and a, and a very big issue. Uh, and the FCC is currently in the midst of uh, looking at uh, a revisit to some of those uh, broader regulations uh, around broadcasting, around cable and all that kind of stuff. So the timing is actually quite exquisite. Uh, and there's no question that the broadcast rules as they stand today very much discourage concentrated ownership, particularly in a market where there's so much dominance. So there's no there's no doubt that there will be questions and or uh, approaches to sort of figure that kind of stuff out. I mean, Nexstar wouldn't show interest, however, if they didn't think they had some kind of answer to that uh, that concentrated power question. And then very quickly, Tim, let's talk about the changes coming to Chicago tonight. In full disclosure, I'm an occasional panelist on their Week in Review program, which is on Friday nights, and that's going to stick around. But uh, the production of, of the, the, the Chicago Tonight Daily Newscast, uh, which was uh, for many years anchored by John Calloway, who got the news radio format off the ground here in 1968, uh, that's going to scale back to just two days a week. What, what does that mean if even public television's having a hard time yeah look i think that's that's specifically a a a reality check that uh there's not a limited amount of choices anymore on television and obviously the show dates to when there was far less choices out there uh, available where a local uh daily show would make a whole lot of sense i think a weekly format makes a whole lot of sense and perhaps keeping you uh (laughs) <laughs> active on Friday nights is absolutely something I could see happening for that show going forward. Still has that value, but perhaps not on a, on a daily basis. Tim Hanlon, founder and CEO of the Verter Group based in Chicago. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up next, deciding whether a Roth individual retirement account is right for you. Money conversation that pays a big dividend. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. As the end of the year approaches, some investors may be considering a Roth IRA conversion as a tax-saving move. Let's get some help in making that decision from Ed Jertson, certified financial planner, founder of the Engage Wealth Group in Chicago. Find him online at engagewealthgroup.com. Ed, thank you for joining us today. I'm going to ask my first question from the perspective of someone who their retirement savings are basically a 401k. Uh, They put money into it. It comes out of their paycheck every two weeks and they look at their balance from time to time. So when you hear about a raw IRA, you got to explain what it is and how you can take advantage of it. Yeah, Rob, thanks. And happy Friday to you and your listeners. So Roth IRAs, similar to traditional IRAs, are like standalone retirement plans, if you would. These are for individuals, not companies, but for individuals. And your uh, listeners can contribute up to $6,500 in a Roth IRA or $7,500 for those over 50, depending on how much income they make. And so there's abilities for you to contribute to a Roth, whether it's through uh, this sort of method or converting into a Roth, moving a traditional IRA or even a traditional 401k at some point in time into these Roth vehicles. 
So let's say, you know, it's it's September, the end of the year is coming uh, and you want to uh, to do this. uh, How do you do it? Excellent question. And it gets a little complicated. So we always guide clients to either engage your certified financial planner or tax professional. Because Roth converting, what you're basically doing is taking a deductible IRA or deductible 401k and moving those funds from these accounts over to a Roth. Any dollar that you move from that one side to the other is taxable income to you. So if you are currently in a very high taxable income, it's you got to really consider a Roth conversion. But we're big fans of the Winston Churchill quote, never let a good crisis go to waste. So if you're in between jobs or you're, if you're a business owner and your company is not doing well, or if you incur high medical expenses, what a great way, what a great year would be to convert Roth IRA monies because of the fact that you're in that much lower tax bracket. And so basically, uh, you got to pay the tax man regardless. So better to do it now than 20 years from now. Yeah, excellent point. And what your listeners really have to remember is that should you not use that IRA in your lifetime, it can potentially go down to errors. And if it's a non-spousal error, remember these Roth IRAs have to be taken out within 10 years, but there's no income tax liability to your heirs. So not only is this a strategy to be thinking about your lifetime, but also those you love down the road. Ed Jertsen, Certified Financial Planner, founder of the Engage Wealth Group in Chicago. Find him online at EngageWealthGroup.com. Thank you for clearing that up for us. Still ahead in Entrepreneur Friday, the son of immigrants builds a successful business with a premium tequila brand. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. This is Chicago's news traffic and weather station. News Radio 105.9. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. President Biden weighs in on the strike against America's big three automakers, a special report coming up from CBS News. There are right ways and wrong ways to quit a job. We'll get help from an employment expert. It's Entrepreneur Friday, a success story involving the son of immigrants and tequila. WBBM Business, the markets are lower. The Dow is down 311 points. The Nasdaq is down 228. And the S&P 500 is down 55. AccuWeather says for today, plenty of sunshine, pleasant, a high of 78, 73 along the lakefront. Going down to 58 tonight with clear to partly cloudy skies. We have 71 degrees right now under mostly sunny skies at 1231. CBS News Special Report. President Biden's weighing in on the United Auto Workers strike and says automakers should share the wealth. Auto companies have uh, seen record profits, including the last few years because of the extraordinary skill and sacrifices of UAW workers. But those record profits have not been shared fairly, in my view, with those workers. 
He's sending two officials to Detroit to help with negotiations. Meantime, union workers are striking at targeted factories. CBS's Chris Van Cleve is in Wayne, Michigan. The UAW has said they won't negotiate today, and that's been a point of frustration for the automakers. Ford and GM have been pretty clear that they would like to make a deal. They would like to get this done. Uh, they have made at least four offers. But without a deal, auto analyst Garrett Nelson predicts big losses. It could potentially be upwards of $5 billion uh of total damage in the first 10 days. CBS News Special Report. I'm Monica Ricks. It's 1232 as the noon business hour continues. The markets are in the red today. Joining us now on the Village of Bedford Park business line, reminding you to bring your business home, is Michael Palumbo, founder of MJP Capital, author of the book Calculated Risk, based in Chicago. Michael, thank you for joining us today. And before we talk about market activity, we have to point out that today is one of those uh, triple witching days. And even though that sounds like a lost hit from the Eagles, triple witching day, uh, what is it and how does that impact market activity, especially on a Friday afternoon? Well, good afternoon, Robin. Thanks for having me on. You're talking to a guy who used to uh, earn his living in the, tri- in the pits of the CBOE. So triple witching is when uh, the options and futures and uh, contracts all expire on the same day. And it can cause volatility because as these contracts expire, uh, positions have to change positions that that people have especially the large guys out there uh they have to hedge uh re-hedge their their positions so it can cause volatility in the stock market um it's it's gotten tamer as years go on because the professionals uh, have found ways easier ways to to do it and it's not as it doesn't cause as much volatility but it's still something that happens, you know, it's every quarter and uh, it, it can affect the markets. I don't think that's what's happening today, but but uh, it is certainly a factor. We're talking to Michael Palumbo, founder of MJP Capital in Chicago. It seems like uh, information technology, that sector is serving as kind of a boat anchor this afternoon. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it's been, NASDAQ in general, been, been dragging things down. Uh, we had a very successful IPO yesterday in, in ARM, uh, you know, which is, is a chip stock from uh, England, and that actually kind of uh, spurred a little bit of a rally yesterday, but we're selling back off today. I don't think there's a lot of reasons beyond the fact that people are getting nervous about interest rates again. We've got the the 30-year back up to 4.4%. It's only been there a couple times recently, and it's really at a 12-year high. And as long as rates continue to tick up it's going to be uh, it's going to cause a problem with with nasdaq stocks especially the tech stocks are very dependent on interest rates remaining low as far as their valuations so you know if we continue to see this this tick up in rates it's going to be very hard for the nasdaq to rally and that's why we're seeing a little bit of a sell-off here and that's just above and beyond the nasdaq do that's just that it's it's hard for anybody to uh to, to borrow money because uh that's that's how rates are set above and beyond the federal funds rate yeah and and you got a fed meeting next week and they should stand pat but and we've said that before on your show but but we are concerned about later in the year because inflation numbers while they're coming in a little bit tamer they're still too high for for chairman powell and so we do know there is there is that that risk out there that he does raise rates if not this coming week which 
we don't think will happen, but later in the year. So that's that's what's really driving these rates, and the rates going up is what's driving the stock market down. And we've said, I've been on your show all summer saying S&P 500 fair valuations around 4,400. Every time we get above 45, we have this sell-off again. And it's just a valuation uh, uh, sell-off. I mean, I don't. I think we're above fair value, and until we can get a better picture of what long rates are going to be at, I think 4,400, 4,500 is going to be a wall, and it's going to be very hard to get above that and stay there. So that's why we've had this sell-off here. And right now we're at uh, 4,452. So, uh, so, so your theory is uh, is holding up. <laughs> For now, it is. We're never never going to be exact there, but but we give investors an idea of where we think things should be, and they can get out of line by a lot, but but we're pretty much right at fair value right now. Michael Palumbo, founder of MJP Capital, author of the book Calculated Risk, based in Chicago. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up next in Entrepreneur Friday, finding success in the highly competitive tequila space. An economy of words. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Entrepreneur Friday, and this afternoon we're meeting a Chicago businessman who found success with a product that he built from the ground up. We welcome in Dwimo Umolu, founder of John Basil Tequila, based in Chicago. Dwimo, thank you for joining us today. What sparked your well, interest? You. In, well, what, what sparked your interest in tequila outside of the obvious? <laughs> well, I grew up in Rogers Park, so um, that was a huge thing for me. Tequila was the drink of choice always there. Um, and then it's, you know, if you're thinking being health conscious, it's the only spirit that is a stimulant. And um, it's also easier for your body to process because it's from 100% Blue Weber agave. And then how did you make the turn from someone who enjoyed tequila to appreciating the craftsmanship and uh, the different tastes and to eventually making the pivot to actually making it yourself? Yeah, so I was looking for something that could um, really bring people together, really help us enjoy our experiences and enjoy our moments, but was true and authentic to the community that I was building it for. Um, so it's, you know, John Basile, it represents for the folks that are um, first generation um, entrepreneurs, doers, Americans, and uh, we were looking for a, a brand that truly embodied that. Um, so I went down to Mexico down in 2015 is when we actually started and really learned the craft, got to learn under some amazing partners and finally launched in 2018. And, and this is an amazing, I think, it's a story that also speaks to uh, 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 you know, America's history as an immigrant nation, but also uh, Chicago as being a welcoming, a welcoming place for so many people from so many different places. And that is your parents are from Ghana. And yet you are making a Mexican spirit. That's got to be, I mean, how, how, do you, how do you feel about that? Yes. I mean, when you truly, true, that's a perfect way to describe Chicago, by the way. But um, when you really start to dig deep into our cultures and you start to see the different similarities, whether that's through music or cuisine, um, it really just was hand in hand. Um, you know, we're fortunate enough to have been able to launch John Basil in Accra, Ghana um, as well. And just to see the way the people respond to it and receive it, um, it just took building those bridges and it took kind of connecting those gaps to really start to show the similarities between cultures, which ultimately um, creates new cultures for us to appreciate and love. So I feel great about it.
We're talking to Duimo Umolu, who is the founder of John Basil Tequila in Chicago. So you go to Mexico, you learn the craft from 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 experts. And I have been in situations where a friend of mine says, "Hey, would you like to try this uh, this this whiskey I made in uh, in my kitchen?" And the first <laughs> thought is, "I'm going to go blind." So maybe not. So how how, how did you uh, determine that uh, the stuff that you were making was good and then good enough to sell? Yeah. So firstly, tequila just has a. It was very important for us to go into a spirit with very rich tradition because tradition is such a big part um, of our culture. Um, and tequila has been around for generations and generations. And it's evolved a bit from how you actually produce it and distill it. However, if you find partners that have been doing it for such a long time and can keep those traditions strong, that's how you truly find a, a top-of-the-line spirit. And we were fortunate enough to be able to do that um, we studied first and foremost, so it took us about four years to actually launch the product from inception. Um, and when you really get the chance to appreciate the culture first, learn about the tradition and the craft, you start to see that it's an art. Um, and once you really fall in love with that art form, it's really easy to spot a good tequila from a bad one. Duimo Umolu, founder of John Basil Tequila in Chicago, celebrating its fifth anniversary. Thank you for joining us on this Entrepreneur Friday. Still to come, quitting a job without damaging your future. It's 12.50. Take this job and shove it. No, I'm not leaving. Welcome back to the Noon Business Hour. But when it comes to calling it quits, there are some do's and don'ts, and maybe you should not tell your soon-to-be former boss to take this job and shove it. Let's talk about how you can leave your job with some couth with Rick Cobb, founder of the workplace consulting firm To Discern, based in Chicago. Rick, thank you for joining us today. Now, some people leave a job because they just get a better opportunity. It comes along, you you get along great with your current co-workers you want to leave things and you will leave things on a great note because you're on good footing together but let's talk about toxic workplaces places where it's bad um what are some of the things to do you should do even before you think about leaving uh when you want to plot an exit strategy sure i think the the really difficult thing is to really understand the why what is re- what is making you want to leave it certainly can be the place and and the cliche, most people quit their boss, is a cliche because there's a lot of truth in it. People tend to quit because of the people they report directly to. But there's another part of this that we really have to pay attention to, and that's our own emotions internally. When we feel anxious or angry or, or, or demotivated, how much of that can you own or should you own? Um, you know, and one of the ways to understand that with your own uh, internal organiza- or, uh, approach is what's your track record? Because your personal problems don't get left behind. You take those with you. Um, Now, let's say that because of the turnover rates, because your area has gone through contraction and you know that you're probably next or you really just can't stand what you're doing or where you're doing it, then your strategy has to be, uh, if you are comfortable exploring it, if it is just the boss, perhaps there's a strategy that doesn't involve you leaving. Is there an opportunity to go laterally in the organization? If you're absolutely going to go, and you don't do this right away, uh, there's other things to do first, but when you are leaving, one of the things that you can do is is go up a level, go above your boss to notify. 
Uh, one of the reasons that you do that is you may get a counteroffer. You have to really pay attention to that. Is the counteroffer going to matter? If they say, we're sorry, we really like you, we want to keep you, did the, is the culture going to change? If it's not going to change, then you should just you, you should expect you're going to leave. Don't burn bridges. You know, uh, the RFL, we've always called it the reason for leaving. The reason for leaving has to be one that you can say that's true. It can't say anything negative about places that you've worked. Uh, and it can't say anything negative about you. Uh, so you can't slack on your work when you said, I've, I can't take this job anymore. I'm leaving. You have to maintain your performance. You have to meet all your targets because otherwise that ends up being what the potential employer looks at as the reason you left was because you couldn't do your job. And then I think what's critical when you actually start to look is to understand that your goal is to get an offer, but not to take the job because it's been offered. You have to figure out is this culture truly different? Is this job really different? Is this going to be something that's going to make many of my concerns and, and discomforts go away? Once you've got the offer, you can turn it down. You can't turn it down until you get it. Thank you very much. Rick Cobb, founder of the workplace consulting firm To Discern in Chicago. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Nerds! Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to level up your financial game? Let NerdWallet guide you with smart strategies for lasting success. Get savvy tax planning pointers to maximize your savings, money-saving travel tips for your next family getaway, and investing insights like how a 529 plan can help you send your kids to college. Unlock the key to saving to help you earn more money. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you in 2024. We all agree that reducing carbon emissions is a good thing. And once again, Toyota is leading the way. We hear a lot about fully electric vehicles, and Toyota has them with more on the way. But we also know a BEV is not for everyone, whether it's because of cost, range, or concern about finding a charging station when you need it. Plus, the raw materials used to manufacture batteries are limited. Enter Beyond Zero, Toyota's vision for a carbon-neutral future. In vehicles and in manufacturing plants, too, in the years ahead. The materials used to make just one long-range battery for an EV could be used to make batteries for six plug-in hybrids or 90 gas-electric hybrids. That's why Toyota's position today is electrified diversified, empowering you to choose how to reduce your own carbon footprint with the vehicle that's right for you. A hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or battery EV. So shop, learn more, and get details at toyota.com slash beyond zero. Toyota, let's go places.